Chapters nine and ten of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. Conjugal confidence. Mrs. Allen Barnaby discloses to the major a project upon which he founds brilliant expectations of future fame and fortune. He receives the information with his usual amiable temper and fine judgment it was nearly two hours past midnight when major allen barnaby mounted very quietly to his chamber yet not so noiselessly either as to avoid waking his wife the thoughts she wished to communicate to him however were both too important and too voluminous to be opened upon at such an hour and nearly all the words which passed between them were on her side well donny have you done anything and on his yes pretty well but i am devilish tired you shall hear more to-morrow good-night the morrow came and found them both in the best possible humour for conjugal confidence as soon as the fact of their both being wide awake was mutually ascertained mrs allen barnaby resumed the questioning of the preceding night by saying well dear and what did you do why tolerably well for just the first setting off and tornorino is a much better hand than foxcroft i am devilish glad i refused to bring that fellow he is so confounded clumsy he can't give one a look without staring one full in the face but patty's don is quite another style of aide-de-camp though he generally looks you know as if he were half asleep i promise you i found him perfectly wide awake so much so indeed that i asked him how it happened that we found him so confoundedly poor and why he had never tried the sort of thing before and what did he say major demanded his wife rather eagerly he answered with the most perfect frankness that he had never had capital enough since he left spain to attempt the sort of thing at all in the style of a gentleman i really like the young fellow exceedingly i am monstrous glad to hear it replied his wife for patty perfectly dotes upon him so that's all as it should be but now my dear do tell me a little about the style in which you find they do things here do you think it will suit you donny do you think you will find it answer answer repeated the major significantly i dare say enough may be done to repay time and trouble but if by answer you mean anything like the glorious opportunities one had in london in the way we were going on i must certainly say no nothing at all approaching even the sum that fool ronaldson had in his pocket-book is ever likely to be got by one job i'll venture to say without a word about the checks he was willing enough to have given if that confounded jade had not stopped him no nothing of this magnitude my barnaby nothing near it can ever be hoped for but we must make the best of it now my dear and do as well as we can you know now wife the real state of my purse which i did not think it right to mention as long as you were so mad about dressing up patty to get her married but that's all over now and i am willing to make you acquainted with everything i don't think i am a man likely to lose money even here but devilish sharp they are i promise you and i could no more do single-handed than i could fly it is a great piece of good luck my having tornarino and you will have your part to play too my barnaby for it's plain to see that the first-raters the planters and such like from the south who are sporting men and come to new orleans for a few weeks lark won't sit down with the first that comes by not they i saw that plain enough and your post must be to make a large acquaintance and keep up a good appearance and make yourself as popular as you can as popular as i can repeated mrs allen barnaby with a long deep breath that seemed necessary to relieve the overpowering fulness of her heart 
what shall you say major allen barnaby if i have already been put upon a scent and devised a scheme that shall not only ensure our popularity but bring us in lots of dollars besides what should you say to that why i should say that my barnaby was a jewel replied the major with an eager expression of satisfaction which showed him by no means disposed to doubt her boasted discovery for to say truth he had really great confidence in the excellence of her understanding which he had for many years been in the habit of watching and always with increasing admiration but make haste and tell me he added for as you may imagine i am pretty eager to understand you i will be as explicit as possible my dear love replied the lady with a little dignity of manner which very well became her at that moment but you must be patient with me or i shall not have the happiness of making you understand me the thing i am about to propose is so perfectly new to us both that at the first contemplation of it i feel it possible that you may testify more surprise than pleasure more diffidence than hope but hear all i have to say and i think the final result will be different you doubtless observed at table yesterday that very handsome woman mrs beauchamp she is the wife you know of colonel beauchamp and from all i can gather from what has been dropped by mrs carmichael and the other ladies the beauchamps are people of quite first-rate consequence not only here but at washington and new york and charlestown and indeed everywhere well i last night had a great deal of most interesting conversation with her both about europe and america it is quite evident that she is a woman of a very superior mind and her feelings of patriotic love and admiration for her own country are something so sublime that she almost frightened me now it is plain as the sun at noonday donny that it won't do playing the same game here that we did at sydney what i mean is that it won't do for us to be boasting of our high family and connections in the old country for it was easy to see that she despised everything in england even the queen herself just as if it was all so much dirt under her feet but after she made this clear enough for the dullest to understand she told me that nevertheless there was one set among the english that was still very much considered in the united states and that was the authors mrs allen barnaby here paused for a moment in her speech in order to discover either from the looks or words of her husband whether any of those ideas suggested themselves to him which swelled her own heart almost to bursting but no nothing seemed to occur to the major but that he must listen further in order to comprehend what his lady was talking about she slightly sighed and then went on well my dear major mrs beauchamp then proceeded to say that there was a book which might be written by one of the old country which if composed in a proper spirit would make the name of the author as popular throughout the union as that of general lafayette himself and bring in such a flood of wealth to the author as had never before been realized by any literary publication whatever this book must be travels through the united states of america i should have thought there had been enough of these written already said the major coldly that is precisely the reason why another is wanted replied his wife eagerly for mrs beauchamp declares that there has never yet been a single volume written upon the united states that was not crammed with the most abominable lies from beginning to end and as she most justly observes anybody who would come forward to contradict all these wicked and most scandalous falsehoods would be rewarded in the very noblest manner possible first by a great quantity of money and next by the admiration and respect of all the people in the country but how can all this affect us my dear demanded the provoking major with the most innocent air in the world 
i do assure you wife that my writing a book is a thing altogether out of the question i am quite certain that i have no capacity for it but i on my part am by no means prepared to say so much for myself major allen barnaby returned his wife with some little asperity on the contrary you must excuse whatever appearance of presumption you may possibly find in it but i must in justice to myself declare that i feel conscious of the power and the talent necessary to the undertaking you will not i trust oppose it oppose it no certainly my dear i shall not oppose it why should i it can do neither of us any harm at any rate you have my free leave to begin your book whenever you like and i am sure i heartily wish you success with it although the major pronounced this speech in a manner somewhat too jocose for the matter of it his wife took it in very good part declaring herself perfectly satisfied and declaring also that she should lose no time in beginning her interesting and very important task i shall of course she added greatly want some competent person to assist me with the information on many points wherein it will be impossible for me immediately to obtain it myself but what i hope and trust to is that i shall be able to form a close intimacy with that charming woman mrs beauchamp and you my dearest major must help me to obtain this object i know nobody in the world so capable of putting a thing in a good light as you are when you have a mind to do it you know what i mean my dear donny a little embellishment and the least bit in the world of invention will make everything easy to me all i want you to do is just to say to mrs beauchamp in your clever easy way that i have been rather celebrated in my own country as an author but that hitherto from modesty i have always published under a feigned name and then you know if you like it you may just hint at any one particular author you please saying enough to put her upon the scent but without committing yourself by absolutely pronouncing any particular name yes certainly i could do that answered the major if you thought it would do any good good trust me donny it would do all the good in the world and if you will only help me so far you shall see that i know how to help myself too i'll take care major not to disgrace whatever you may take it into your head to say of me very well my dear then you have only to tell me in what direction my hints are to go i shall not like to begin till i am quite sure of putting you and your side-saddle upon the right horse who of all the lady riders would you best like to be taken for mrs allen barnaby mused for a moment or two before she replied and then said mrs hemmings i'm afraid is dead isn't she yes my dear she is said the major and miss austin what's become of miss austin i'm afraid she is dead too my barnaby said he dear me how provoking returned the lady but it does not signify there are lots more let us see there is miss edgeworth but you know my dear she has never been married how should we manage about patty it will be downright scandal to make out that our patty is a child of an unmarried lady said the conscientious major allen barnaby then i don't care a straw who it is returned his wife you must make out i am somebody famous and that will do very well my dear i really think i do understand you now perfectly and you are such a devilish clever woman that i dare say somehow or other you will make the scheme answer i'll do my best at any rate to help you but hark there is the thundering breakfast bell now watch me and see if i don't set about my part of the job without losing time chapter ten the major displays his conversational talents to great advantage and his success is brilliant 
a young englishman's motives for crossing the atlantic his principles of justice are explained and the liberal philosophy of fair examination shown in its true light at ten o'clock or thereabouts the comfortable inmates that is to say the white inmates of mrs carmichael's establishment usually met for breakfast most of them obeyed the summons of the great bell on this occasion simultaneously entering the room almost at the same moment and were proceeding to take their places at the table in the same order as at the dinner of yesterday when major allen barnaby with that sort of easy good-humour which all lands find it so difficult to resist turned from the place he had before occupied beside his lady and dropping into the chair next mrs beauchamp said it is too cruel ladies and gentlemen to condemn a poor englishman who has crossed the atlantic expressly for the purpose of making acquaintance with persons whose national character he considers as the first in the world it will be much too cruel if you insist upon all our party sitting together so that we can speak to none other shall i be forgiven if i break through the established order of things and begging mr washington tomkins to take my seat beside mrs allen barnaby venture to place myself next the lady of colonel beauchamp it is probable by the smile and the bow which were exchanged as this was said between the colonel and the major that some progress towards acquaintance had been made between them during the rambling of the preceding evening at any rate the overture was well received mrs beauchamp smiled very graciously upon the major as he took his seat and the elegant mr washington tomkins muttered something about vastly happy as he looked full in the face of the beautiful annie and sat down in the chair opposite to her major allen barnaby doubtless flattered himself that the chit-chat of a breakfast-table would give him the opportunity he wanted of communicating a little information respecting the high literary reputation of his wife and it is probable that the massive appearance of the viands on the table suggesting the necessity of length of time for their consumption might have made him feel sure of having ample time before him for that purpose but in this he deceived himself altogether beefsteaks of an inch and a half in thickness disappeared it was impossible to guess how with the rapidity of an omelette souffle coffee as hot as mrs carmichael could make it was poured down the uninjured throats of the louisianian ladies and gentlemen with the impunity of cooling sherbet and enormous platters of scalding hot bread vanished with a celerity that really suggested the idea of magic in short every american lady and gentleman had breakfasted and very sufficiently before major allen barnaby had done more towards leading the conversation to the point he aimed at than saying that he hoped mrs allen barnaby would be fortunate enough to make an acquaintance of some intimacy with the lady he had the happiness of addressing as it was highly essential to the particular object she had in view that she should know and be known to the most distinguished persons in the union mrs beauchamp seemed by no means displeased at this she bowed and she smiled but before it was possible she could speak all the gentlemen of the party rose and all the ladies immediately followed their example and rose after them the breakfast was over and the heavily laden table cleared major allen barnaby was startled but not defeated he spoke of the luxury of mrs carmichael's large cool saloon and said he hoped the ladies did not entirely forsake it in the mornings why it isn't very often i expect that you'll find american ladies there major unless they are just quite literary people who give up everything for the sake of conversing with the gentlemen about books i don't calculate that except these you'll often find american ladies out of their own chambers in a morning anywhere then i trust that you and your charming daughter are altogether devoted to literature he replied you will indeed in that case find a most suitable and truly congenial companion in mrs allen barnaby she has never yet published anything under her own name but 
here all the party having begun to move off mrs beauchamp felt obliged to move off too which the major perceiving again expressed his hope that she and her daughter who had now taken her arm were going to the saloon well i don't care if i do take a spell in the keeping-room this morning she replied her curiosity being in truth as vividly awakened as major allen barnaby himself could desire by the words he had spoken they therefore moved on together and the balcony with its fine orange trees being now in perfect shade the attentive major led the way into it and was presently happy enough to find himself seated on a bench with the charming mrs beauchamp as yet he immediately resumed mrs allen barnaby has never published any work with her own name but entre nous and as a very great secret i will whisper in your ear that she does not mean always to go on in that way and in fact for i see no reason why i should not confess it to a lady so evidently of superior mind as you are in fact my dear mrs beauchamp our chief object in now visiting your glorious country is to give her an opportunity of writing her remarks upon it you have no idea how admirable her style is and in just appreciation of character i will venture to say that she has no equal if she succeeds in this undertaking as i fully hope and expect she will do i have told her plainly that i will not permit her any longer to conceal her name you must not think me a tyrant my dear mrs beauchamp because i speak thus authoritatively but like all persons of genius mrs allen barnaby appreciates her own talents with a degree of modesty that is absolutely absurd and really in my opinion it has become a duty for the sake of her daughter and the noble spanish family with whom we have been so happy as to ally ourselves that a fame so richly earned should not be thrown away upon a supposititious name do you not agree with me do you not think i am right indeed and indeed i do sir replied the greatly excited mrs beauchamp but may i just ask the favour of your telling me under what name your lady has hitherto published major allen barnaby looked in the lady's handsome face with a very intelligent smile and raising his forefinger to the side of his nose said there are some things my dear mrs beauchamp that i dare not do but i will tell you one thing for your satisfaction that if you shall be induced to bestow as much of your valuable friendship upon my admirable wife as i am inclined to flatter myself you will do i will venture to say that you will not be long before you discover her secret her manner of thinking her manner of speaking will be sure to betray her and i will not deny that i shall be heartily glad of it for in this distinguished country at any rate she will then enjoy the possession of the fame which she had so wantonly sported with and i may say thrown away in europe yes mrs beauchamp though i know she would quarrel with me for saying so i really shall be delighted if you find her out and so i guess shall i be too returned mrs beauchamp with great animation oh it would be first-rate delightful to turn round some day smack upon her and call her by her false name i shall enjoy it to be sure and you must not refuse major to give me a little token now and then if you see i am in the right way and cry burn as the children do when they are playing hide-and-seek as much as i can venture to do so without getting into a scrape i certainly will he replied for depend upon it i shall enjoy the joke as much as you will and may i then hope my dear madam that now you are aware what mrs allen barnaby's object is in coming to this country you will extend a helping hand to her and by giving her the assistance of native information without which it is absolutely impossible that such a work can be satisfactorily produced enable her at once to do justice to her own talents and to the magnificent subject she has undertaken 
there is nothing in all creation sir that i should so much like to do eagerly returned mrs beauchamp all the women in the union the white women of course i mean are counted good patriots indeed they are pretty considerable famous for it but i expect you won't light upon one from maine to georgia as outtops me in that respect and what my mind has undergone in the way of rage at all the horrible scandalous lying books as have been spit out by the envy of the old country against us is a great deal more than i will choose to describe but it is quite droll to think what i said to your lady last evening major why she must have thought i was a witch to be sure what did you say to her madam demanded he with every appearance of eager curiosity what then said mrs beauchamp she never mentioned to you she never told you that i had been talking exactly of such a book as what you have now been speaking of and saying what an outrageous beautiful success it was sure to have in the union if it was but written with decent attention to truth and such a conformity to the merits of the country as the indwellers in it who everybody must allow are the only proper judges would be likely to approve did not your lady say anything about this major no not a word he replied dear me how very odd not the least odd in the world my dear lady he replied as you would be ready to allow did you know mrs allen barnaby better she has so much delicate reserve about her on every point at all relative to her literary pursuits that i am persuaded nothing could have prevailed upon her to touch upon the subject my how unaccountably remarkable that a lady of such first-rate smart talents should be so uncommon shy about it but it seems to me sir as if what you was so kind as to mention just now could never come to pass i mean as regarding any use i might be of about making her take a right view of things how will she ever be able to abide my telling her that i know what she is about demanded the anxious female patriot your question my dear mrs beauchamp enables me while i reply to it to give you another characteristic trait of my admirable wife you must forgive my calling her so the fact is that exactly in proportion as she avoids all allusion to her own great literary success with all who are incapable of assisting her efforts she sedulously cultivates every possible opportunity of entering into discussion with those whom she imagines can give her any species of information on the themes about which she is engaged doubt not therefore that if you will have the excessive kindness to give her the advantage of your knowledge of the country and its inhabitants she will not only enter with you on the subject with the most open-hearted frankness but will listen to every word that you utter with equal respect and gratitude and thus my dearest lady you will be the means of at length sending into the world such a work upon the united states of america as may safely be depended on as authentic then i wish i may be flogged like a nigger if i don't devote myself to the business body and soul replied mrs beauchamp her whole countenance kindling with patriotic energy mrs allen barnaby has nothing to do but just to say when she wants me and i'll be ready to give up all the frolics in creation rather than not be ready to go to her yes major please heaven the stars and the stripes shall have justice done to them at last let your lady only do as you say and mind me and all that i have got to tell her and if her book don't prove to her worth a precious deal more than its weight in gold then say that i am a false-hearted woman and send me to the penitentiary 
major allen barnaby felt that if he talked all day he could add nothing to the impression he had already made he therefore rose and took a most respectful leave saying that he should immediately announce to his fortunate wife the happiness that awaited her while this conversation had been going on at one end of the long balcony a tete-a-tete equally exclusive was proceeding at the other annie beauchamp who had taken her mother's arm as they left the breakfast-room retained it till they reached the balcony but there she dropped it because mrs beauchamp walked towards a seat which had no orange tree in full flower near it and therefore the young lady turned her steps the other way and seated herself where one of those fragrant shrubs was in the greatest malaprop perfection perhaps major allen barnaby's being at her mother's side might have made this movement rather more decided than it would have been without it for annie too was a patriot and though a kind-hearted and sweet-tempered girl in other respects certainly nourished ay and carefully nourished too a pretty considerable strong prejudice and dislike not only to the whole english nation in general but to each and all of the unfortunate individuals from that country with whom she had ever made acquaintance in fact if a stranger were presented to her it was enough for annie to know that he was an englishman in order to set all her faculties to work in order to read him backwards if such a one enchanted by her very uncommon beauty inadvertently permitted his eye to rest for a moment on her lovely face he was the most ill-bred and impertinent of men did an english traveller venture to mention any beauty either of nature or of art that he had left behind him she would exclaim to her neighbour only listen to him can you conceive anything more absurd and insufferable instead of employing his time in examining our glorious and unequalled country there he sits you see talking of his own poor paltry miserable little atom of an island as it is if her beautiful eyes beheld a tall englishman he looked like the mast of a ship if a short one encountered the same doubtful blessing he was a caricature of tom thumb if gracious and graceful as the apollo she was convinced he must be a dancing-master and if his conversation betrayed any traces of learning she would exclaim to her nearest friend oh for mercy's sake take me out of hearing of that odious schoolmaster i am as certain as that i live that he comes from one of those hateful abysses of superstition and slavery that they call oxford and cambridge the very sight of him makes me ill such being the state of her feelings it was not very surprising that she preferred her favourite orange tree to being seated near major allen barnaby but if annie's chief motive for the preference was simply getting out of the way of an englishman she was unlucky for scarcely had she placed herself at her ease with a little tabouret for her pretty feet and a cushion for her elbow to rest upan than mr egerton not only an englishman but a cantab to boot had the audacity to approach her now to say the truth mr egerton notwithstanding talents of a very high order excellent principles and a heart replete with a multitude of amiable qualities was fully as much under the influence of prejudice as annie beauchamp herself in common with a multitude of young englishmen whose ripening faculties during the last ten years have enabled them to look on upon the perilous political drama which has been performing with clear judgment and views unobscured by early preconceptions of any kind mr egerton in common with a vast majority of these sages of his own age felt too deep-rooted a reverence for the monarchical institutions of his own country to tolerate the antagonist principles so loudly vaunted throughout the united states of america moreover he was deeply convinced of the political as well as of the religious necessity of an established faith for the perfect working of the social contract which binds men together under one government moreover again the system of slavery was abhorrent to every feeling and faculty of his head heart and soul moreover again 
he was greatly disposed to misdoubt the honesty public and individual of any country where bankruptcy public and individual was a matter of constant recurrence and constant indifference moreover again he exceedingly disliked listening to the human voice when it came to him through the nose of the speaker and finally approved no dialect of english but that which was held to be the standard language of his native land with all these so strong against the deed it may seem strange that the young man after having well-nigh satiated himself with travel through pretty nearly every country in europe should have taken it into his head to cross the atlantic in order to visit the land he did not love instead of enjoying the noble fortune and beautiful residence which he had inherited in that which he did but the wisest and best among us have their whims and this expedition of egerton's must i suppose be reckoned among them the immediately propelling cause however of his setting off arose at a dinner-party where he met with a pretty considerably famous american author who not content with entertaining the company by a good set speech of half an hour long in praise of the glorious and immortal institutions of his own country slavery and all concluded it not being in one of his best humours that day on account of an english duke having entered the dining-room before him by rather a savage attack on the inglorious and perishable ones of this mr egerton ventured to make an observation or two on the opposite side but the american celebrity cut him short by saying i beg your pardon sir if i can't count your opinion as any way suitable to stand against mine and my reason is this you have seen only one of the two countries you are comparing together and i have seen both and i leave it to any man to say which has the best right to be listened to i submit sir to the force of your argument replied egerton you must have it your own way but he left not the dinner-table without making a resolution that however great the bore might be he would steam to new york as early as possible and not steam back again till he had visited every state in the union perhaps there might have been some little irritation of feeling in the mood which dictated this resolve but he had pledged the promise to himself in earnest and would not have revoked it even had his afterthoughts led to still greater repugnance as to the keeping it than they did at any rate i shall see niagara said he there is an overwhelming force of consolation in that so mr egerton set forth and had already very nearly performed his destined task at the time of our meeting him at new orleans excepting the person of miss beauchamp which with a degree of candour of which he really felt proud he acknowledged to himself was by far the loveliest he had ever seen in any land and perhaps excepting also her dress the capricious sort of plainness of which rather piqued his taste to the acknowledgment that no garment more meretricious ever so well became a female form with these two exceptions made mr egerton was by no means disposed to think that miss beauchamp was in any degree better suited to his taste than the rest of her countrywomen he had dined twice in her company and his attention had been particularly drawn to her by the uncommon beauty which scarcely a child could have passed by unheeded but he had thought her manner exceedingly defective there was no amenity no tranquil grace no smoothness in it whatever she said seemed spoken fearlessly as if from very perfect indifference as to whether she might give thereby pleasure or not and then her voice though nature had really given her organs which should have rendered it a very sweet one had something in its intonation which grated as it were against his feelings it could hardly be called a nasal voice but yet there was a sort of singing cadence in it which drew off the attention at least of stranger ears so constituted as those of frederick egerton from what she said to her manner of saying it and he was perfectly ready to call the flexible young voice detestable yet for all that he was ready to acknowledge that he had hitherto not seen quite enough of her to judge her fairly and he gravely determined that he would not be unjust no 
not even on a point of so absolutely no importance as whether a trumpery american girl were a little more or a little less disagreeable in conformity with this high principled resolve he had sought to converse with her on more occasions than one but hitherto with very little success and upon seeing her accompany her mother into the balcony while nearly all the rest of the company were scattering themselves elsewhere he followed her for the purpose of advancing his philosophical study of this peculiar specimen of the race he had crossed the atlantic to scrutinize End of chapters nine and ten